Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Wednesday wherever you may be across this great country or across this great land. We have got uh, much to discuss as we move throughout the show today, but I believe at the top of the list, not a surprise, the four divisional round playoff games as they move closer and closer to arriving. Uh, I'm looking at them more and more and wondering if we're underrating the chances of the Green Bay uh, the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks in their game, which looks to be the most competitive of all the games that are going on this weekend. Um, we talked about this a lot, right? I mean, the fact that of the eight teams that are in the playoffs right now uh, remaining, seven of them were not in the playoffs at this time last year. And in fact, if you look at the quarterbacks in this uh, this year's playoffs, whether it is Kirk Cousins with the Vikings, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo with San Francisco 49ers, whether it's Ryan Tannehill or, uh, or Lamar Jackson in the Titans and the Ravens game, or Deshaun Watson, who just won his first ever playoff game, and Patrick Mahomes, who, while he's been impressive, 
has only won one playoff game so far in his career. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are both Super Bowl winning quarterbacks who are looking to get that second Super Bowl to forever imprint themselves on the DNA of the league. And I feel like Aaron Rodgers in particular this year is completely under the radar. And I'm not sure whether that's wrong because the Packers haven't been that impressive. Their schedule, when you look at their results, uh, particularly against teams that were good enough to make the playoffs, has not been very good. But most years when Aaron Rodgers is in the postseason, he is completely drowning in media coverage and hype and expectation. This year, the Packers went 13-3, and and I feel like Aaron Rodgers has been under the radar all year. And as a result, I keep looking at this Packers-Seahawks game and feeling like whoever wins this game is going to find their way into the Super Bowl. Now, whether it's the, the Packers or the Seahawks may have to go on the road against the 49ers, although I like the Vikings quite a bit as a seven-point underdog going up against the 49ers because I think Kirk Cousins is going to be playing with house money. So I think there's also a decent possibility that whoever wins this uh, Green Bay-Seattle game is going to be hosting the NFC Championship game uh, because I think there's a decent chance that the Vikings go on the road and beat the 49ers, even though the 49ers are the favorite to win the NFC right now. But I feel like we aren't spending that much time on Russell Wilson uh, because the Seahawks down the stretch run of the season didn't perform that great. And we're not spending hardly any time on Aaron Rodgers because while the Packers are winning, they haven't been winning in really a spectacular fashion. They've been sort of choking people out, right? Like it hasn't been a really solidly impressive performance by the Packers down the stretch run of the season, even though they finished 13-3 and and got a bye. And I'm guilty of this as well because I expected for the Saints to beat the Vikings and then for the Saints to go up to Lambeau and handle the Packers without that much difficulty. And so I didn't really spend that much time thinking about the Packers making a run here. And the same thing kind of of the Seahawks because with the injuries they have at running back and beast mode and everything else, this offense has felt like at some point there's just going to be too much on Russell Wilson's shoulders and he's not going to be able to carry the team like he's been doing all season long or you expect for some of the luck to finally run out given how many close games the Seahawks have won, how many times Russell Wilson has made a late play. But if you look at the, these guys' histories and the fact that they've both won Super Bowls and how unproven just about everybody else is in this uh, this playoff group, you got Lamar Jackson, who's never won a playoff game. you got uh, Deshaun Watson, who just narrowly won his first ever playoff game. you got uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's only won one playoff game, I believe it is, in his career. Ryan Tannehill, who just won his first ever playoff game and didn't play very well on the road against uh, the Patriots. Jimmy G, who has never in his career started a playoff game before. And Kirk Cousins, who after being 
maybe the most criticized player in the entirety of the NFL finally won a playoff game. I mean, we're talking about a substantial difference between the experience factor for Aaron Rodgers and for Russell Wilson compared to everybody else. And it's why I keep coming back to this game and saying, you know what? I kind of like whoever wins this game to make a run to the Super Bowl. And frankly, I like the Seahawks as a four-point underdog to cover. I'm not sure I like them to win, but I think this game is going to be super close down the stretch. It's going to be your afternoon slash evening game on Sunday. And I think of the four games that are going on, it's probably the one we should be giving the most attention to that we're probably ignoring to a large degree because of perceived flaws that exist between the Packers and the Seahawks. I want to bring in the crew and see if anybody else agrees with me that usually if you have two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks going head to head in uh, the postseason, this game is just drowning in hype. Do you agree with me, Danny G, that this game feels like it's under the radar despite the fact that Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are by far the two most accomplished quarterbacks remaining in the postseason? Yeah, if you go back to our top five, bottom fives all throughout the year. That's right. A lot of people, including you, weren't buying into the Packers at all. For a a majority of the season, the Packers were kind of under the radar. So I think that has a lot to do with what you're talking about. Now, this um, playoff style of football we always hear about has a lot to do with the run game, as we saw last weekend with Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. So I think the difference in this game is going to be the other Aaron, Aaron Jones. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but he scored 19 total touchdowns. I feel like he's under the radar, too. I mean, yeah, that's I feel tied like the with entire McCaffrey. Packer team, uh, that's a great point uh, about the success that he had. I feel like this entire Packer team, and I, I bet there's a lot of Packer fans listening to us right now, kind of nodding because it's not as if the Pack, you know, if you ranked teams for just typical attention that they get, uh, the Patriots are up there. Cowboys are up there, Steelers and the Packers. Probably if you were ranking the four teams in the NFL that typically get the most hype every year, I would say in no particular order, that's the four, right? The Steelers, the Packers, the Patriots, and uh, and you really break down those teams. And usually the Cowboys, obviously, usually those four teams are getting the most attention out there. Well, the Packers have a bye. They've got a Super Bowl winning champ still in Aaron Rodgers. They went 13-3. and As you just mentioned, they've got a pronounced strong running game as well. And I'm guilty of this also. I, I just haven't bought into them all year. And boom, here they are. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson going head-to-head with six relatively unaccomplished so far uh, in the postseason quarterbacks remaining otherwise. And I feel like we're overlooking these guys. Dub, are you buying into this, that, 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 that somehow the Packers and the Seahawks are under the radar in some sense as we come down the stretch run of the divisional uh, playoffs? Well, I agree with everything you just said, and especially with what Danny G just said about you know people overlooking the Packers. And there's been people that have overlooking have overlooked the Seahawks all season, including myself, because I think you know when it but comes yeah, you've down hated to the it, Seahawks all year. Well, when you look at their points difference on the year, the Seahawks are plus seven through the whole season. Yeah, that's and the wild. Packers, and it is wild for them to have such a good record and for them to be where they are right now. And the Packers aren't great. They're plus 63, but a little bit better. But I think these two teams are probably the two most overlooked slash overrated teams all season if you look at the numbers. But 
when it when you boil it down to its core, this is Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers. And if this matchup, you know, before the postseason started, you say, hey, we're going to have Russell Wilson traveling to Green Bay to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Lambeau Field for the divisional round with a chance to make the NFC NFC Championship game. I think every single person in America would have taken that and ran with it because this is going to be. I think it's going to be a great game, and I think it is kind of strange how this game seems to be getting overlooked by so many people. Well, I mean, think about it. If this were a Sunday night football game, for instance, or a Monday night football game where you had this game on a stage by itself, it would be incredibly hyped up. And this is obviously infinitely bigger because it's going on in the divisional round of the playoffs in the NFL, and the other six quarterbacks are not anywhere near as accomplished as these two guys. And I feel like... It's maybe a little bit under the radar, and people just aren't buying in to the idea that this could be the year where Aaron Rodgers gets a second Super Bowl or Russell Wilson gets a second Super Bowl. Now, I know we kind of treat a quarterback who wins a Super Bowl as a made man, and so the other six guys out there, hey, if they could find a way to win a Super Bowl, it changes their career forever. There's no doubt the difference between zero and one for Super Bowls is seismic, is, is, is monumental, is massive. But the difference between being a guy who wins one Super Bowl and being a guy who wins multiple Super Bowls is also pretty transcendent when you think about the way that we contemplate the careers when they're over. Russell Wilson's still relatively young, but how many better opportunities than now is Aaron Rodgers going to get for the rest of his career I don't know how many more years he's going to play, but it's hard to have a better situation than this if you're Aaron Rodgers. you got a home playoff game uh, where you're a favorite to potentially advance and be uh, in the NFC Championship game against either a, uh, a Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins who have never been in a, anywhere near a game that big uh, in their lives. This is pretty pretty monumental for both uh, both Aaron Rodgers and for... Russell Wilson as well. Eddie, you're a fan of the Steelers, so you know what it's like to be, you know, a, a team that's kind of perpetually under the microscope, like I was saying with the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Packers. Seems like that always is the case. Are you with me that this Packer team feels super underhyped relative to what they've delivered so far this year? Yeah, I think it's because Aaron Rodgers hasn't been the Aaron Rodgers we're used to seeing, yeah. whether it's been because of the new offensive philosophy with Matt LaFleur in there, or it's because he probably has the best running back he's ever had in his career. But whatever the case is, he you know he hasn't been talked about in any kind of MVP discussion or anything like that. Um, he's certainly going to have to make some plays, though, if, if they're going to be a team that would advance to the Super Bowl. But I think Fox is thrilled to have this matchup. I, you know, it, you could argue that you know Deshaun Watson against Patrick Mahomes might be a more exciting quarterbacks, but as far as established quarterbacks and guys who have done it a long time, and obviously, as you mentioned, have each won a Super Bowl, then Seahawks-Packers, I think, uh, is is definitely a game that a lot yeah. of people are interested in. Yeah, I just think about it in the context of, let's say, for my uh, my television show we do with Lock It In, um, I, I and, and also the way people react. I, usually, a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl remains wildly overhyped for the rest of his career if he's the reason that they won the Super Bowl, right? Um, so maybe you can give a little bit of an exception for Nick Foles because he came in, although we get a lot of attention to Nick Foles, but he kind of came in, you know, put the cape on, came in as the backup quarterback, found a way to get uh, the Super Bowl. But Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are the reasons why their teams won the Super Bowl. 
and they're going head-to-head with a chance to advance to the NFC Championship game. And again, I think there's a decent chance that the Vikings could go on the road and pull off what would be a pretty decent upset against the 49ers, but still not as big of an upset as they already pulled off over the Patri- uh, over the Saints. And also, I believe Kirk Cousins getting that first playoff win, one reason why I'm betting on Cousins uh, for the Vikings to go on the road and keep it close against the 49ers, why I think that Ryan Tannehill will go on the road and keep it close against uh, the Ravens, and why I like Deshaun Watson uh, to a certain extent as well on the road against the Chiefs. Not necessarily for any of those guys to win, although it wouldn't stun me, but to keep it close is because I think that there is a big psychological impact to getting your first ever playoff win. It's hard to get a playoff win. We have oversold the ease with which playoff wins can occur sometimes by looking at guys like Tom Brady, for instance, who's been to nine Super Bowls. The Bills haven't been to a uh, second round, haven't won a playoff game in 25 years, a single playoff game. For a lot of quarterbacks, winning a playoff game is a monster deal to be able to do it just once. And once you do it, the weight of the world almost comes off your shoulders in the short term because, yes, the pressure gets ratcheted up again if you manage to make it to the Super Bowl or you're playing to win an AFC or an NFC championship game. But I feel like in the divisional round, if you get that first playoff win, you can kind of take a breath and maybe go out and play a little bit relaxed in a way that you weren't able to in the wild card round. So I like Tannehill on the road uh, with the Titans. I like Deshaun Watson on the road uh, with the Texans. And I also like uh, Kirk Cousins on the road with the Vikings because all of those guys just got their first ever playoff win. And I feel like they're going to play well, even though they're all a touchdown or more underdogs. Roberto, what about you? Do you feel like uh, maybe we should be paying more attention to this game between the Packers and the Seahawks, given what Wilson and uh, Rodgers have accomplished compared to the other six quarterbacks? Yeah, definitely. You know, both of them Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. And when we do our top five, bottom five, we always have Seattle and Green Bay lower there on, on the top five. But it's also because, you know, we saw we saw the Packers go to San Francisco and get smoked earlier during the year. And then Seattle hasn't been the typical dominant team that we see them be at home. I think that's the reason why it's being so underplayed this game. Yeah, the Seahawks have been great on the road. I think I believe they are eight and one on the road. And usually we talk about the Seahawks and that incredible home field advantage that they have. Uh, but they actually have been very mediocre at home and stellar on the road, which would potentially bode well uh, for them and how well things could go uh, on Sunday night when they travel up to the frozen tundra in Lambeau. Uh, to uh, to take on Aaron Rodgers and company. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trip of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Michelin tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their michelin test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Divisional round of the NFL playoffs inching closer and closer. We're going to talk to the voice of the Titans as their game inches closer against the Ravens on Saturday night. We have been talking all about the NFL for the first two hours of the program. We'll be talking about the NFL for another hour of this program. Two new coaches that have been hired. Carolina Panthers get uh, Matt Rule from Baylor and the Giants get uh, the uh, judge from the uh, wide receiver special teams coordinator over the past several years with uh, the New England Patriots. Uh, That leaves only 
the Cleveland Brown job with Mike McCarthy having been hired with the Dallas Cowboys as well. That is three white guys. There is a certain segment of the population that is fired up because uh, the NFL season, hiring off season, is primarily going to be filled by uh, white head coaches. We'll wait and see what happens with the Cleveland Browns. My bet would be that they are going to go uh, with uh, with probably somebody who's going to end up getting fired because everybody who gets hired by the Browns ends up getting fired. But I think that they will go with the offensive coordinator from the New England Patriots, uh, whose name is immediately escaping me right now, but everybody knows exactly who I'm talking about. This is the problem when you have to talk about so many different names. Uh, he's going to get the job. That would be my guess as who's the next Browns coach is going to be. All right. So uh, now there is a big point of discussion about the head coaching uh, positions and racial diversity among NFL head coaches. Uh, The Rooney rule in particular, Marvin Lewis gets the interview uh, down in Dallas, doesn't seem to be really that considered uh, for the job because it seems like they want Mike McCarthy. And then you have Eric Bieniemy, who's the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and he doesn't get the job offer, uh, at least so far, based on how things have gone. And by the way, Josh McDaniels is obviously the guy who I'm talking about from the Patriots, who I believe will end up being the head coach of the Browns before all is said and done. So my argument here is an interesting one. Uh, It is this. NFL teams are so obsessed with winning that race really doesn't factor in very much, in my opinion, in their decision-making. Let me give you an example. If a field goal kicker is bad and he gets released and a team has an audition for a field goal kicker and they bring in five guys and they interview those five guys and they take them out on the field and they have them kick field goals, I don't think there's a single person out there listening to me right now that believes that a team is intentionally picking a guy who is not going to be the best person they think to kick field goals for them, right? Their audition, their process is so highly competitive, they're trying to find the best possible talent for that position to fill. And we certainly believe that to be the case across the entirety of the NFL, that the goal is to find the best possible guy. And if you don't find the best possible guy, then you are going to lose And ultimately, the NFL is maybe better than almost any other sport in America, a meritocracy. And that means that the best man gets the job. Now, it's also simultaneously true that NFL teams do not reflect what America looks like, right? There's this big talk now of we want to be diverse and inclusive. We want our teams to reflect what America looks like. Well, NFL teams are around 75% black. And only 12% of the population as a whole is black. So NFL teams wildly over-index for black football players compared to what they would do if they reflected America. In fact, if an NFL team reflected America, it would be around 60% white. It would be around 13% Hispanic. It would be around 12% black. You know, 5% Asian, whatever the full population of America looks like right now. And if you want to take it even further, you could have somebody come out and say, hey, I'm buying an NFL team, and my NFL team is going to perfectly reflect America. That means half my team, over half my team, 51% of my team is going to be female, 49% is going to be male, 
And everybody out there listening to me right now would be like, well, that would be ridiculous. Women aren't good enough to play in the NFL. So if you had an NFL team that perfectly reflected America, you might never score a touchdown. For an entire season, you could have a team that perfectly reflects America, but it wouldn't necessarily score a touchdown. My point is talent is not 100% reflected based on race, right? If it were, then let's leave women out of the equation and say, okay, well, no women are good enough to play in the NFL. I don't think that's sexist. I think that's true. Doesn't mean that there might not be at some point in time a woman who's good enough to play in the NFL, but so far there hasn't been. So automatically when we're deciding who's going to play in the NFL, we're eliminating half of the population in the world and saying they aren't good enough to play football. They don't have the biological construct to play football. They're not big, strong, and fast enough, right? By and large. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Doesn't mean at some point in time there can't be a woman. But right now, there has never been one. And maybe one day there'll be a kicker. Maybe someday else there'll be another position. Right now, there hasn't been one. There hasn't really been a woman who's close, right? Okay, doesn't mean it can't happen. Does mean that I think it's unlikely, okay? And the people that do get NFL jobs they tend to end up being huge percentage black, which is wildly over-indexed relative to the population. In other words, if everybody was 100% evenly talented in football, only 12% of football players would be black. So that means that like 90% or 80% of all football players that are black would lose their jobs and you would have white people, Asian people, and Hispanic people. I don't think anybody's making that argument, right? I don't think anybody out there is arguing that every NFL team is not trying as hard as they possibly can to get the best possible roster to win games. So wouldn't the same be true for coaching? I understand the point of the Rooney rule and wanting to make sure that you have as wide of a tryout as possible. In other words, that you want to bring out, to use my kicker example earlier, you want to make sure that you're bringing in as many people as you possibly can who are potentially the best kicker for your job or the best quarterback for your job or the best running back or whatever the position is. You want to make sure you're not missing anybody. That's really the purpose of the draft, right? The purpose of the NFL draft is we need a standardized mechanism by which every single person who wants to be able to be a NFL player has an even playing field. We're going to bring everybody to the combine. We're going to put you in your underwear. We're going to measure you. We're going to get all your data. We're going to put you into the mix, and then we'll let individual teams make decisions based on the draft that they think will make their teams the best. If we believe that NFL teams are doing all of that to be as competitive as possible and that the market is going to dictate that they are going to be able to find the best possible talent. In other words, it would stun you if an XFL team were able to be better than an NFL team, right? The market would not allow that to happen because the best salaries go to the best players in the NFL. Every NFL team would wax every XFL team in this new league because the best talent is on the NFL teams and every NFL team is maniacally competing to win the best possible manner that they can. If that is true and you believe it, and I think most of you do, 
for virtually every position on the field, why would you not also believe that's true for coaching? Now, you can say that teams are making bad decisions for coaching, just like some teams make bad decisions when it comes to drafting quarterbacks or drafting any position, drafting in general. But the intent and the goal is to get the best possible person in for that job, all right, for that head job. And once the person who has the head coaching job has it, what's the person who has the head coaching job's job? To get the best possible coaches underneath him so that he can ensure that he is winning as many games as possible because that's the only way that he keeps his job. And the only way that a GM keeps his job is to have as good of a coaching staff and as good of a playing staff. So that's the approach that I come to it. If I believe that the NFL is a meritocracy when it comes to finding the best possible players, why would I also not believe that the NFL is a meritocracy when it comes to finding the best possible coaches? Now, I want to bring in the crew. I laid out my argument. I think that almost all of you would agree that with me that the goal of every NFL team is to find the best possible players and that the goal of a head coach is to find the best possible assistant coaches and that the goal of a GM and an owner is to find the best possible head coach. So why would we believe that all of the best players are getting hired and all of the best coaches are not? Wouldn't that defeat the entire purpose of the team? Who wants to jump in first? Uh, I don't mind. I'll say that I think it comes down to opportunity. You're comparing corners and coaches. One is athletic dominance, which would be corners playing in the NFL. The other is brains and leadership. We know in our country that some minorities still face different challenges getting their foot in the door. I say I'm cool with what you're saying as long as the entry-level opportunities are equal at the amateur level. Well, I don't know that. Uh, and, and that is the question that I asked earlier that is more intriguing to me than the way the end result comes out. It is what's the entry point? And so who gets internships? Who gets these introductory $7,000 a year jobs? Like that's the part that I would be intrigued by, right? And then the other question is, in theory, if you want to look at race, in theory, head coaching jobs are open to everyone, Right. Black people only represent 12% of the population. I think they represent around 10% of head coaches right now. Shouldn't the head coaching percentages roughly approximate the overall black percentage of the population in general? I mean, I'm just asking that. Like, theoretically, every like the number of people who can play quarterback in the NFL is relatively low. The number of people who can run a 4-5 and play in the NFL is relatively low. The number of people who have the brain power to coach football is high, right? There are a lot more people who can, you know, like who can uh, coach a football game on the sideline wearing a headset than can run a 4-5, right? The percentage of the population that can run a 4-5 versus the percentage of the population that can stand on the sideline and call a play is substantially different. So that is intriguing. But my big question here is, it would be a big flaw in the NFL if there were this huge collection of otherwise would-be Bill Belichick-level coaches and they aren't getting opportunities. 
Eddie or Dub in or, or Roberto. Any thoughts on that? Like we all, I don't think there's a single person out there right now who disagrees with me that the NFL has the best football players in the world because they pay the best, because they go out and they find the best talent, because they have the best development of that talent, everything else. It would be a big flaw in the NFL system if they have the best players and they're not getting the best coaches. In fact, it would be a huge problem purely from a business perspective because it would lead to more losses than you should, and the goal from a business perspective in the NFL is to win as many games as possible. I just think that this is more of an ownership issue, is is it not? And I'm not saying that the owners are necessarily racist, but I can't help but uh, refer to the quote that I saw about Panthers owner David Tepper and what he said about part of the reason why he hired Matt Rule. And it was, I mean, it was anecdotal and it was humorous, but I think maybe it also speaks to a larger point where he said he dresses like me and he had a job like me and he had to work for everything that he has gotten. So in other words, David Tepper saying he relates to Matt Rule you know, because of there's certain things, and maybe he doesn't relate to and Eric that, Bieniemy, right? That's, a, that's an interesting argument, but the point would be that Tepper has become a billionaire by recognizing market inefficiencies, right? But I mean, if you become wildly successful in this country today, you typically have recognized a market inefficiency, and what I mean by that is, let's take it outside of the world of sports. The reason why Jeff Bezos is filthy rich and founded Amazon was he saw the internet coming and he said, oh my God, there's going to be a huge marketplace online for people who want to buy things. And Walmart and Target and you know Kroger and all these other retailers already exist and they have their advantage, but I'm going to have an advantage on them and I'm going to beat Walden Books and Barnes & Noble and all the book retailers that would have existed back in 1995. And the reason why I use that as an example is he recognizes market inefficiency. So if you are an owner, and it's an interesting point, if you are an owner, you have been great probably in some way. You could have inherited your money, all right? So we can start there. Like you might have been born on third base and just gotten wealthy uh, by virtue of your birth. But most people who end up owning teams and buying teams make the money themselves, which means they've recognized market inefficiencies. So... If that is true, then you would theoretically be able to take advantage of other owners' racism to go out and hire a guy that they wouldn't hire, which would lead to you winning more games. In other words, leaving aside the morality that I think most people would agree that judging somebody based on the color of their skin, either pro or con, is a bad decision. If you actually were not racist, and your other NFL owners were racist, you would be able to hire a coach that they might not consider, which would lead to you winning more games than they would, right? So that, that, that this is why I believe in market-based economics in general, because if there is a market inefficiency, you recognize it and you, uh, and you exploit it. And I'll give you an example here. Sean McVay may well have been a market inefficiency. The uh, Rams hired him and had such immediate success with his offensive system that everybody else said, damn, I want my own Sean McVay. It was like back in the day when the internet bubble was going on, 
everybody knew the internet was going to be a thing, but maybe you bought pets.com instead of amazon.com, right? Pets.com goes bankrupt, entire thing blows up. Amazon.com turns into one of the biggest businesses in the world. Um, If you are willing to take a risk, you may have a better result. And maybe that is the case that teams are willing to take, if you want to build on your argument, Eddie, you could make the argument that teams are willing to take bigger risks with players than they are with coaches. And that might that might be an interesting argument about why the coaching universe isn't getting its best possible talent because there's a risk-averse nature in the NFL when it comes to hiring coaches that doesn't exist when it comes to hiring players. In other words, somebody might well hire Antonio Brown as a wide receiver to be an employee, but they wouldn't hire him to be a leader, right? Um, and And that maybe is an argument. But my argument in general is it would be a big flaw in the NFL market if we all believe that every single player, you know, whatever it is, the 53 team, fifty-three times 32, what is that, 16, 1,800 players, whatever it is, those are the best 1,600 or 1,800 possible football players. But we also don't have the best, let's say, 200 coaches in the NFL that would be a big flaw because you're paying all this money to players and not getting the best coaches to develop them and I'm not claiming to know some easy solution here but a lot of people just look at results and they complain about them what I'm saying is if the NFL doesn't have the best 200 football coaches in the country, leaving aside, you know, the fact that obviously a lot of the best coaches are also in college football, right? Because you can make a lot of money in college football and everything else. But if coaching is not getting the best four or five hundred at both college and pros, then it's a broken system. And the Rooney rule suggests that the system is broken and it needs to be in some way remedied. We don't ever have a Rooney rule and never have had a Rooney rule for on-field jobs in sports, right? There's never been somebody who says like, oh, we need to apply the Seahorn rule. Before you hire a cornerback, you have to bring in a white cornerback and see whether or not he's good enough to play corner. Because the assumption is in sports, the best man gets the job. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, Major League Soccer, EPL, whatever sport it is, there's no hiring requirement predicated on race and no interview requirement predicated on race. So what I'm asking is, and I think it's a big question. I'm not claiming to know the answer. I'm just asking you guys to think about it. Why do we all presume, does anybody disagree? Does anybody disagree that the best 1,800 football players in America are in the NFL right now? No, yeah, that's obvious. I mean, right? And I don't think anybody would disagree that the best, whatever the math is, 450 players are in the NBA right now. Now, you might be on the margin. You might say, oh, well, these 50 guys who are the next 50 best players, they should be in the NBA, and maybe the bottom 50 players in the NBA shouldn't have the contracts they do right. But in general, there are 15 NBA teams. The best 500 players in the world of basketball are in the NBA. There's not somebody – like, I couldn't just go out right now and be like, hey, I'm going to create my own pro basketball team and I can find 12 or 15 guys, and we can go beat the Lakers or the Clippers or the Celtics or whoever it is. Like, that would be impossible 
because the market works and we find the best talent and the best players and they funnel themselves into uh, the, the pros. So if we believe that the market works when it comes to players, why do we not believe the market works when it comes to coaches? And again, I'm not saying that I have the answer. I'm just, I want you to think about that. There's never been a suggestion in my life that I can remember where somebody said, hey, before the, uh, before the Lakers are allowed to draft, we need to make sure that they bring in the best Asian basketball players in the world to interview them before they sign LeBron James for free agency. So why do we presume, I think correctly, that all of the best players in the world find their way to the best jobs in the world when it comes to playing a sport, but we don't presume that the best coaches get the jobs? Because wouldn't it be a huge market inefficiency and flaw if the most talented people for coaching weren't also getting the jobs. Maybe we should start a combine for coaches. I mean, it's funny, right? I mean, the, uh, really? one, one answer is because it's easier to quantify for the average person. Like if you and I sit and watch LeBron James play compared to an average college player, LeBron James is a lot better than him. And our brains are able to watch them play basketball and say, oh, LeBron's better. But coaching is harder to quantify in terms of success, which is why, like, I believe that Bill Belichick is a great coach. I believe that Bill Belichick would not put bad coaches on his coaching staff because that makes his job more difficult and because I believe that Bill Belichick knows who good coaches are. Now, you can argue that owners are unqualified to be hiring coaches because they don't have any clue what a good coach actually is and that that's why the system is flawed. But the best way to figure out who good coaches are is theoretically to ask other coaches who they think are good coaches. And that's typically what the interview process is about. So I just want you to think about it. There's a lot of people who want to jump around and make arguments and scream and argue racism and everything else. My, my position would just be if there is a situation where the best coaches are not getting jobs, then it is a structural flaw in all of pro sports or sports in general. Wouldn't that flaw be a such a massive flaw that it would undercut the entire purpose of sports which is to win as many games as possible anyway just think about it not trying to get y'all fired up just trying to think about it from an intelligent perspective nobody questions the best athletes get the jobs across all of sports why do we question whether the best coaches get the jobs be sure to catch live editions of outkick the coverage with clay travis weekdays at 6 a.m eastern 3 a.m pacific First Animal Thunderdome of the week. First Animal Thunderdome, maybe of the year? I don't know if we've done one in 2020 yet. Cue the music, boys. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I have a bulging stretcher stuck to my face. Sam, you have a what? This 
is Animal Thunderdome. All right, Danny G, what you got for me? You are correct, sir. This is the first Animal Thunderdome of 2020. Let's start in Maine, where a man was bitten in the face by a rabid fox. That seems like a rough way to go. (laughs) Trying to uh, keep this fox away from him by using his cane. Unfortunately, this older guy, he stumbled and he fell without the support of his cane, and he was bitten in the face. In the face! That same day, the news station there says that three dogs were treated uh, for being bitten by the same fox. So crazy fox on the loose there in Maine. The article says in true Maine fashion, this 88-year-old fox victim who was bit in the face held on to the fox. He was able to fight with it, struggled, but he held on to it in a headlock until the police arrived. Policeman arrived to the scene, shot and killed the fox. They're calling this guy a hero because obviously this fox was doing damage there. In your late 80s, Clay, do you think you will be wielding a cane? Uh, you probably. I hope I make it to the late 80s. I hope I don't get attacked by a uh, <laughs> by a fox. By the way, I've got this one. This I don't know if this has you have this one on your list, uh, but a woman who was uh, out scuba diving with her husband. Did you hear about this in Australia? Uh, she was scuba diving, and her husband just jumped in the water when he was attacked by a great white shark and killed in front of her. Uh, she issued a statement about her husband describing him as, quote, a kind, gentle, strong man, saying she doesn't want the shark responsible for his death to be killed. Uh, and uh, this is, uh, he and I were at home in and on the ocean. We would go out diving on our boat whenever we could. We were always aware of the risks and often told each other if we were attacked by a shark, that would just be unlucky. Uh, and uh, so this is pretty wild. Did you guys see this this story? Like uh, this guy jumps in, his wife is watching from the boat, and uh, he got killed right then and there in Australia by the great white shark as Ugh. soon as he jumped in. Another one from Australia here from Brisbane. A single mother nearly died after being bitten in her bed by a venomous snake. It happens all the time, man. Here's the thing, though. She thought that it was her five-year-old Maltese Shih Tzu mix freckle because she woke up with blood on her arm and the dog was barking. The nurse, it says, who's a single mother of a two-year-old, had two small red puncture marks on her right arm but assumed freckle had jumped on her and scratched her in the middle of the night. So she went back to sleep. Hours later, she woke up in excruciating pain. She was rushed to the hospital where she had a seizure, fell unconscious, and she almost died. She got there just in time. Experts have identified now the snake as a poisonous yellow-faced whip snake. There are so many different types of poison. Like The one thing I will say, if you get bitten by a snake and it's poisonous in the United States... We know, like, you recognize the name. Like, somebody's like, oh, I got bit by a rattlesnake, or I got bitten by a copperhead, or, like, uh, you know, like, you can run through pretty much. There's only, what, six or seven different snakes, and we hear them, and we're like, oh, yeah, I know that's a, you know, snake that's poisonous. You don't want to get bit by that. Snake. Like, the number of snakes that are poisonous in Australia seems to be, like, in the hundreds. What did you say that snake was called? A whip snake. Yeah, it's like a yellow pit. Whip. Nobody's ever heard of that. Yeah, yellow-faced whip snake. Yeah, nobody. I mean, that seems like it's unfair. The number of snakes that can kill you that nobody's ever heard of in Australia is off the charts. Yeah, they did an IV drip to flush out her system. Saved her life. She says, now I have major anxiety, nightmares, and I can't sleep. 
I jump at everything. If someone touches me, I jump out oh, of my okay. skin. No kidding. I mean, I, I don't know I'd ever be able to sleep again if I got bitten by a poisonous snake or a snake or even if in the, in the bed at all. Like, I, I would never – I don't know that I'd ever recover from that. Yeah. I don't know that I'd fall asleep at night. All right, let's go to Zimbabwe. Another crocodile attack. Oh, of course. Another one. And another fisherman. This guy was able to fight off this huge croc, but he had most of his leg torn to pieces. Oh. Major flesh wounds. This 31-year-old fisherman, he was attacked from behind by the croc as he was fishing at night in a Zimbabwe lake. Seems like a lot of these people who get killed by crocodiles are making very questionable life choices. Yeah, well, like we talked about last week, they do have to fish for survival. But Understood. Like, not at night, though, right? Yeah, I mean, you would think that maybe you would decide. I, I, I'm not an expert on, you know, like uh, how, you know, like if you're in a rural area, you know, at night, it's super dark, right? It's not like you're in New York City or you're in Miami or L.A. or something like that, right? I can only imagine that being out on a Zimbabwe lake is basically pitch black. So why you would make the decision to need to go do it then doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Seems like a very poor choice. A couple of details in this story. Besides that major leg injury, he had one of his fingers bitten off as he was defending himself. It took five hours for this man to reach a hospital. They had to take him by boat to get help. And when he got to the hospital, they did not have an operating room available. So they had to cut off the damaged flesh while he was still awake. Oh. Well, there you go. I mean, you think you're having a rough start to your day. Did you get attacked by a crocodile, have to wait five hours to get to a hospital and then get to the hospital and they didn't have the necessary supplies in order to be able to operate on you? Probably not. Your life's not that bad. To begin with, you weren't having to fish at night in Zimbabwe in a crocodile-infested lake. So your life's really not that bad. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Joined now by Mike Keith. He's the voice of the Titans. He called potentially the death of the (laughs) Patriot dynasty uh, with Belichick and Brady. Maybe, maybe, never playing together again. We'll have to wait and see what happens in Foxborough. What was that vibe like in the stadium, Mike? Uh, did, Did Patriot fans seem stunned that their season and maybe their dynasty came to an end in that method, in that manner. Did you get that vibe in the, inside that stadium? 100%. Uh, they walked out very quietly. It had started to pour rain, and it was almost kind of fitting in that way because they were, I, I think they were dumbfounded that it was over, and the realization was setting in that maybe they had seen something for the last time. And you know, that's a, that's a group of people that obviously through the years with the Bruins and the Celtics and the Red Sox, um, they have seen final acts and they have seen those sorts of moments, but none like this because they had never, you know, since the Red Auerbach days of the Celtics, at least, they had never known anything quite like this. Um, this has been, I think, the most remarkable run in modern sports history and, you know, we'll see if it continues. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But to answer your question, Clay, yeah, I think they got it. I think they understood that this was really, really significant. And it had that feel of more than just a loss. It did have that feel of more than just a loss. On the other side, did it have that feel of more than just a win for the Titans? In other words, when the Titans made their run to the Super Bowl back in the day, They had the Music City Miracle that they pulled off, which was improbable, 
and then they followed it up with two more wins to get to the Super Bowl. They end up a yard short, as everybody out there who's an NFL fan knows. But the win in the Music City Miracle had a feel of more than a win, and it kind of propelled the Titans franchise for the next several years as a Super Bowl contender. Is this more than a win for the Titans in the same way that it was more than a loss for the Patriots? Yes. I mean, it clearly is because what it is is a credibility win at the very least. Uh, There are some people uh, who you would listen to talking about the game with the buildup who would have thought the Music City Miracle play was more likely than the Titans winning in Foxborough in the playoffs. And I get it uh, because, I mean, it it just has not happened. And so there's a credibility to this. There's a credibility to the Mike Rabel program now more than what there was. There's a credibility to the franchise being more than just nine and seven four years ago. Now, how big, I think, starts to be determined by this week. If you can follow this, then then suddenly that becomes even bigger. And, I mean, let's face it, this is going to be a much bigger challenge from a football standpoint. I think the Titans believed they would go in and win uh, against the Patriots. I don't think that was false bravado. Uh, You probably can pick up sometimes on when it's real and when it's not. Do you think the Titans expect as a team, as an organization, to go on the road and beat the Ravens Saturday night? I think they have it in their mind that if they – here's where they were going into New England. They thought if they went in and did their thing, if they went in and played their game, they thought they'd win the ball game. They were very confident in the game plan. They were confident in what the coaching staff had put in front of them. They they believe in what they're doing. They certainly believe in their running back and believe in their quarterback. And the defense has a lot of confidence. So they, they had that feeling. I, I think they'll go to Baltimore the same way. Why would you not right now? You've won eight of your last 11 you know, you've played really good football for the last two months. Even even in the losses, you didn't really lose momentum. You know, you didn't play just horribly to the point where you said, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of doing something from a consistent style standpoint on offense and defense that allows you to travel. So I think they'll be very confident. I think the feeling, though, and, and, I mean, I think from the outside, the inside, wherever, is this is a much better football team this week in terms of what they are facing. These Ravens are historically good with their 12 Pro Bowlers and their rushing offense and what Lamar Jackson has done. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a vastly different challenge. You could be good this week, Clay, and still not win, but you better be good to even have a chance. Talking to uh, Mike Keith, he's the voice of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, one of the big issues the Titans had uh, on defense getting a guy back was a Dory Jackson. He didn't practice yesterday. I don't know what's going to happen there today. I don't know if that was just uh, letting him rest. What do you hear about and what do you think about the health status of the Titans? Obviously, Mark Ingram uh, at running back is a big part of the story for the Ravens. On the Titans side, what do you anticipate in terms of their health status? Well, the nice thing about Adoree is he he's veteran enough at this moment, having spent three years in the league, that he's practiced a lot. I mean, if he can do some things today, tomorrow, and Friday, even if he can do some things tomorrow and Friday, he should be fine to give you a number of snaps. And that's a and that's a key is you just need to get some snaps out of him because he changes the dynamic of the whole unit in the secondary. He can play that outside position 
They can move other people around. When they don't have him, they're not just down one guy. They're down one guy, and then they're lesser at two or three other spots because they're moving people to cover his absence. So, I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal for the Titans. Uh, he is not the only reason they won the other night in New England, but his presence was a big reason for it, for the defense to have confidence in running what they wanted to do. I feel like Derrick Henry nationwide is still a little bit under the radar, in particular in his NFL status, and that's because he hasn't really had until last night or last weekend a really big signature game where people said, holy cow, this guy's something special. I know he's the NFL's leading rusher. Uh, Do you buy into that? And how would you compare Derrick Henry to a guy that a lot of people got to know over the years because of the big games that he played in? Eddie George, who was another workhorse back in the Titan uh, backfield. I think people still know Derrick Henry better from Alabama than than they than they do with the Titans. I'm like you. I think they're starting to know him. Uh, remember that game was in prime time on Saturday night. The whole country saw it. Thirty one million really, people. Right, and that's that's really the first time that's happened this season for Derrick Henry. All of his work has been on you know, regional games and things of that sort. Uh, the, the Titans' last primetime game was September the 19th in Jacksonville on a Thursday night. And if I'm not mistaken, that one was only on NFL Network. Yeah. So th- this team has not gotten that kind of exposure. And now as the story gets out on Henry, more and more people are seeing him nationally the comparison to eddie george is very obvious because of the size thing i think this kid is a much more natural back he has moves he has better speed eddie george's heart was the most special part of his game his relentlessness this young man has much more natural talent and the breakaway ability to me is the big difference eddie could break away if he got in the open field this kid can get himself to the open field and can go. He's he's really a special football player to watch. You have, we're talking to Mike Keith, one of the most iconic calls of all time with the Music City Miracle. It's now been 20-some-odd years since that happened. Is this win against the Patriots, you've called all of them, you've been calling them for over 20 years now, is it the biggest win that the Titans have had since the Super Bowl run? No. Uh, the, 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 the biggest win was the Baltimore win after the 2003 season in the playoffs, this is the biggest win since that one, because you'll remember at that time we couldn't beat Baltimore. Yeah. And, you know, we had a better, we took a better team into Baltimore that day. Steve McNair was the MVP. They had beaten us five in a row, uh, had cost us the, the 2000, we, we still think Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, I think I think that game in Nashville on January seventh, two thousand one, was actually that year's Super Bowl. Yep, and and so I think from that standpoint, that you know, there was a lot to that. But this is the biggest win since then. I, I think for the, for the Titans, we're going to figure out how big it is again based on what happens going forward. The Music City Miracle was twenty years ago today. Oh wow! And yeah, I know, right? And I think the the reason that it's as iconic as it was is the Titans went 22 days after that. They beat Indianapolis. They beat Jacksonville. They played the great Super Bowl against the Rams. Without that play, the next 22 days just doesn't happen. And so 
Now, what we see is is what comes from this from the Titans. Yes, it's a it's a credibility win. It's a big deal. But where do they go from here? Do they take that next step? They're trying to make an AFC championship game for the first time in 17 years. So that's what this week is all about. This, you know, this would be a much bigger upset this week. Um, this game at Baltimore would be a much bigger upset than the win over New England was. Outstanding stuff as always. He's Mike Keith, voice of the Titans. 20 years ago today, one of the most iconic calls in NFL history. I didn't even know that. Music City Miracle. Thanks, my man. Thanks. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.